podcasting from the world's most livable city, Melbourne. This is the Your Career Down Under Show, a podcast dedicated to help newly arrived skilled migrants and settled migrants with their career and employment issues. We interview recruiters, career coaches, HR experts and employers who share tips, techniques and insights to help you land a job quickly and rapidly advance your career. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Naishad Gadani coming to you from Melbourne. I'm the co-founder of Career Care Package. Uh, it's an initiative that we started at the very beginning of COVID, and we are still continuing this path. Today is our 87th episode in this journey, and it's been fantastic. And uh, you know, we love to bring new ideas and perspectives to the world of job seekers and uh, so that it helps you to survive and even thrive in this COVID or post COVID-19 times. And we are going to continue our efforts. So today we are speaking with Jason Brown. And I know Jason probably for a few years, five, six years that uh, Jason uh, first time, I think uh, he invited me to present a session with the alumni, Retro alumni association way back in 14 15 somewhere it was one of my highlight of the year because uh you know apart from my kids there are only these 200 people listen to me very quietly which was <laughs> fantastic uh you know i really enjoyed uh you know that uh, that interaction uh so we are going to take a very deep dive and very different dive into employability uh, i think we have heard from people like me caroline brown who are you know you know who talk to many job seekers help them out but we haven't spoken to somebody who researches that you know you know it's it's equally important somebody who comes from a psychological background or probably more from theoretical background also that how employability is really evolving in this complex and volatile world so uh so hold on to uh, your thoughts and questions um you know we will be taking a deep dive into employability but before we speak to jason i want to welcome caroline brown thanks Nash. it's great to be here on another well kind of mixed melbourne day so um back into lockdown but still very productive and really i'm really absolutely loving doing these sessions so just wanted to we've got a bunch of people that have said hi so I feel that we should say hi back so hi to Paris Asha Mohammed Payal Payal and Amit great to see you here and please if you've got questions fire away because uh, Jason uh, is talking on an absolutely fascinating topic Nash and I probably talk more anecdotally and from our experience which is great but um, the research behind employability what employers are looking for, how you can develop those skills, how that plays out in your job search will be absolutely fascinating. So, Jason, thank you so much for joining us. It's um, really great to have you thank here. Thank you. Excellent. You Thanks for off? inviting me along. Cool. Did you want to kick off, Nish, or will I? Uh, so, Jason, I think one of you know, the uh, easiest question would be to talk about you know your career story. How did you end up doing what what you are doing right now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's It's been a long journey. I think it started with failure, but I'll, I'll kind of start with where I am at the moment. 
Um, and I, um, so I, I work as a lecturer in, in careers and employability learning at La Trobe University. So I, I do some um, teaching um, in undergraduate programs to you know, support students in thinking about their career and where they're going. And, and I've designed a, um, a, our employability awards, that's called the Career Ready Advantage Award. Um, and that really supports students in developing their employability through you know, paid employment and volunteering and different activities and, and careers workshops and learning more how, about how to apply and research those opportunities. But in getting there, I've worked for a long time as a, um, as a, a manager and a, as a career development practitioner. Um, in the past, I've, I've worked with uh, long-term unemployed people, ran my own business for a little while, um, and where it all started was, I, I guess, um, back in the, the 1990s, um, I started university right at the peak of the, of the recession, um, and, and it was a really difficult time in terms of getting a job and you know a lot of people went to university because there weren't a lot of jobs around at the time so I missed out on getting the course that I wanted to because the you know the, the entry requirements went up and um, so you know I ended up had a, a few little attempts at a couple of different things and eventually found my way into psychology which I, I really enjoyed. Um, coming out of university you know I, I, you know it was fairly difficult getting a job where I could then become a, a registered psychologist. And um, so I ended up, you know, I moved to Melbourne. I grew up in, in Newcastle in, in New South Wales. And I think my first job in Melbourne was packing Nikes into boxes to send out to shops. And it was not what I expected um, would be my first graduate job. But, um, you know, from there, I ended up in a call centre. Uh, again, not something I really enjoyed doing, but it developed a lot of really good skills and paid the bills and then you know I kept I kept trying got some good feedback on um, on how to actually handle interviews and eventually got into a position where I, I, I got a job um, as a career development practitioner working with with high school students so um, I think you know that kind of story I think is really pertinent to where we are at the moment with you know a lot of the the changes it's you know your immediate dreams might might not be there right in reach, but um, but we eventually get there. So, but we'll talk more about that later, I'm sure. I know that, you know, we're, we're going to talk about employability, but just from what you've said, um, begs a question for me of what did you learn from all of those experiences? Did you take something different out of each experience or did you learn sort of, was there a, something cohesive that, that you learned from all of that? Yeah, um, I, I I think one of the practical things I got out of packing boxes was when I started my own business. It, I, I, le I knew how to put together packages in, you know, using the most efficient way possible that kept the, the cost down on, on postage and, and delivery and things like that. It was a, um, a, an online shop that I was running. So, you know, you pick up things like that. You also learn about yourself and, you, and, and I think you learn that sometimes you, you're in situations that you didn't want to be there, but you need to learn from that and 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 recognise some of the opportunities that come out of that. So some of the mistakes I made in, in those early days was, you know, that particularly that um, box packing job was that I, I absolutely hated it and and you know after I think two weeks just um, walked out of there. Um, the recruitment consultant that I was working with said that was the worst thing I could have done. They 
you know, that they're looking for people in there to move into supervisory roles and to move into other parts of the organisation. And being a graduate, I would have been someone that they would have looked at for doing that. So, you know, that's certainly one thing I've I learnt is to look at all those opportunities. Don't just worry about, you know, what it is you're doing. You do your best at, at, at that task that you've been asked to do. But that will lead to something else, and you, and it may not be obvious at the beginning. Um, mm. But if you approach every day and do your best, and you work well with people, um, those opportunities will start to to appear. Yeah, fantastic! Really big lesson for our times. So, employability. I mean, that term gets bandied around by so many different people, um, and I always have you know one version of it, but. What does it mean? What what do employability skills actually actually mean? Yeah, well, the employability skills and employability are quite different things. So, um, in terms of the skills, that's that's one part of employability. So, the you know the academic definition of employability is about the skills, knowledge, and other attributes that contribute to someone getting and maintaining employment. Um, I don't particularly like that that type of, of definition. I think it's a little bit woolly um, and doesn't really mean a lot. Uh, last year I was doing some um, interviews with some students as part of my research and what came out of that is that they, the students actually recognise that um, what, what employability for them is it's about being ready and willing to undertake um, what you need to do to get a, to get a job and, and about being resilient and learning from um, the experiences that you have. So kind of really like that that view that the students actually had of employability. And part of that was also about recognising that it's matching what the employer is looking for. So that doesn't mean you're employable or you're not employable or you're 70% employable. What it means is that there's a job and there's certain requirements for that job. And the employer will look at different people who apply for that and weigh up who is the person who's the best fit for that job, who can do it, who will fit in with the team. That doesn't mean if you miss out on that job that you're not employable. It just means that you weren't the right person for that job, but there's another one out there. So so I think that that's really what employability is really about. It's about being aware of your, your skills, your, your knowledge, um, and where you fit in, in, in the world of work and, and using that to do the research to find the best places that, that you can apply that and finding that that match. And you know, just to give a, a bit of an example, if, you've, if you think about a, a sales consultant job for a, a building company, um, say you want to build a new house, you go in, you talk to them, um, and that sales consultant will, will you know, work out you know, what types of options there are and you can you know, you know, decide which kind of house design that you might want to buy and then build that house. Two different companies might have very different approaches. One might be really focused on trying to upsell people so they can you know, make as much money out of that, that person. Another one might be much more about um, understanding the customer's needs and finding the right house for them. So you got the same two jobs, different companies, very different skill sets that you'd need. One's going to need, you know, a lot more persuasion skills, but you know, you're really focused on sealing the deal and, and making the, the most money from that transaction. The other one's going to be a person who's really personable. They're going to ask lots of questions, really 
understand people's needs, have really good product knowledge and be able to, you know, provide a, a high quality service. So even though they're the same job in the same industry, very different skill sets um, and, and very different people that, that would go into those. So I think that that's, for me, a kind of a, a good illustration of what we mean by employability. Mm, fantastic. So in terms of what employers really look for, uh, Jason, and I think we, uh, you know, we had a brief discussion a few years back where mm. I think, um, you know, talked about the idea of that what employers sometimes look for is not probably articulated well too. So there is also a challenge from the employer's point of view as well, is that you know how what are what does the research say or your views are around around that gap that we see which is which is obviously talked about a lot and you know he, many companies makes millions out of it right that we will help you to bridge the gap between what you know and what industry wants and still they are still not able to get a job so what are yeah. what are your observations about the, the, that gap there's a really good research study i, I read recently that went through and, and interviewed some employers and some uh, university lecturers and presented them with some case studies um, of, of some graduates and asked them, you know, to describe the skills that um, that those graduates have. They, I think they were given a copy of their resume um, and to think about, you know, what they actually need in, in, a, in a graduate. At, I think out of that, they had about 23 um, people that they interviewed, they generated 727 different skills um, from that that exercise. And what it really shows is that there's just um, the the needs of employers are really diverse, and they and they're different um, depending on the circumstances, the type of job that they're looking for, where things are in the economy at the moment. Um, there's so many different variables in there um, that it's really um, there's no one way of saying, you know, here's a list of 10 skills that all employers are looking for because that, that, that's actually not not the case. Employers also have their wish list. They've got their shopping list. They, they want they want to get the, the best person with the most amount of skills that requires the least amount of training for the least salary that they can get away with paying. <laughs> that's a magic formula, everyone. So. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a magic formula. Um, they don't always get that, um, so uh, you know. So it's 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 a negotiation period um, process between the candidate and the employer as to working out you know if you're the right fit, and then you know if, if that's going to be work for everybody, both for the the person who's going to be the employee and and for the the employer. So I I, I really I personally I don't um, take a lot of um, interest in, in, in this idea of a gap um, because it's, it, it's, it's, not, it's not a real gap. It's not something that can be measured, that can be addressed. Um, it's, it's a, the gap really is between the expectations and, and what's on offer um, in, the, in the labour market. So really what it comes back to, I think, for people who are looking for a job is to really focus on understanding themselves really well, what they can offer, researching the job that they're going for um, really well. And and I've, you know, in my career, I've been a manager, so I've interviewed a lot of people over um, the last 10 or 15 years. And 
when you're going through looking at resumes of people who have applied for a job, you can tell straight away someone who's spent two minutes researching the job and the company or someone who's spent a couple of hours doing that research. It, it stands out. You can see from the resume that they have addressed what, what you're looking for. They've given you the answers. They understand um, what I'm looking for. Um, and that they've got the appropriate skills and knowledge that I'm looking for. Now, they may not have absolutely everything, um, but they're, you know, they're going to go into the yes pile as opposed to the one who hasn't done much work will go straight into the no pile. So it, it's really, that, that research is really important. Um, and then, you know, it's up to the employer to make that decision, but you've put your, your case forward on, on why, you know, you can actually do the job. Um, and in doing that research, you'll find those different opportunities and whether that's in a particular industry or a particular job function that you're interested in doing, um, there'll be opportunities out there. Even at the moment, there's, there's, there's opportunities out there. Employees are still recruiting. Um, there's some industries that are obviously really hard hit, but others that aren't. So, um, yeah, it's... Yeah, I think that employability is really about that fit to the job, not who you are as a as a person in in, in a fixed sense. Yeah, it's an interesting thing you bring up, and perhaps one of those those skills which I think people do struggle with is actually really understanding that that critical thinking piece. So understanding what it is that the employer is, is actually asking, and then being able to draw from your own experience to relate that to what the employer is asking versus just saying, this is who I am and, you know, applying um, willy-nilly. And I, I think Absolutely. people really do struggle, um, you know, actually struggle with that aspect. So, but what about your, I think it'd be really interesting for people to, to understand the research that you're doing as part of your, your PhD. Mm. Elaborate on that. Yeah, so um, so what my research is, is doing is, is looking at uh, at university students and getting an understanding of um, their personality um, factors that contribute to them developing employability and the um, career adaptive behaviours that they do. And what we mean by that are, are the activities that they do that develop their employability. So that might be um, activities that develop particular skills. So, you know, they might be doing a, an internship or it might be, um, you know, un undertaking a, a course that, that develops, say, um, you know, if you're in science, maybe, you know, a particular laboratory technique and, you know, learning that particular skill. Um, and then looking at, at then how we can design programs and courses at university that will actually support students in, in doing the things that will maximise their chances. And everyone's got, you know, limited time to do things, particularly outside of, of their, their university studies. So we, we, we want to find that shortcut. What are the, the kind of two or three things that are really essential that that if you do these, that's going to maximise your, your chance of getting a, a job. So that's kind of what we're looking at when, you know, there's no big single answer at this stage it's you know i'm sure in That's good 20, 20, <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm sure in 20 years time i still won't won't have figured it all out but yeah. um but it's certainly a, yeah really look trying to get that really good understanding of what people can do that that will maximize their their chance of getting a job yeah okay. if i can you know uh, 
what what you i think uh, briefly you know spoke about is the idea of what you have to offer you know focusing on that mm-hmm. aspect can you elaborate on that a little bit more because we you know particularly we had some questions even in last week too that i have this skill the employers mm-hmm. wants this you know how do i continuously you know trying to trying to run behind those skills that i don't have and focus my effort on that or rather than mm-hmm. focusing on what i have in bringing that to the forefront you know i i think it's a probably more of a strength based approach to how mm-hmm. do you you do that. can you can you elaborate on that so that people have got an idea of what exactly are we talking about here yeah so they, look i guess there's probably two types of, of skills that employers would be looking at so one would be the, the technical skills so if you're if you're an accountant um, then you know those technical skills that you might have in terms of being able to complete tax returns or being able to um, provide business advice um, you know to clients they're, they're those kind of skills and, and really they're the most important skills despite everything we hear about the soft skills and the transferable skills when you look at the process employees go through to recruit the first thing they're looking at is are people who can perform the job so when you're recruiting for a, a graduate accountant you're not going to employ a musician um, because they don't have the the knowledge um, and the skill and the technical skills to actually do that job um, so that's kind of the first thing so you need to be really aware of those technical skills you've got the things that you can do so um, if you've worked in a call center then you know those skills in being able to make outbound calls or to you know use a particular software to you know record the interactions with with a customer um they're they're the kind of skills that you should you know list somewhere and have a, a master resume or something that you write down all of those skills and have some examples on you know what, what you've done to develop those skills or um and then you've got your your transferable um skills so your communication skills your teamwork skills they're really hard to describe and that's you know the the trick if you spend some time really trying to think about that you know read up definitions on what all those different types of skills are and think about well how can i demonstrate that i've you know have those skills so in terms of teamwork um you know go beyond just uh, i've worked in teams well what what function do you do in that are you a, a leader or are you the organizer or are you the the devil's advocate are you, are, um, are you the person that goes that that gets the job done or keeps everyone on track so really kind of you know think about those things write them down think of some examples um, and through all that you'll start to really have a, a good understanding of, of that that set of skills that you've got and then from that you can then go and use that when you're searching for a job to then you know pick out maybe some of the skills you think you're particularly strong at and do a keyword search go to seek and put in you know teamwork and and see what jobs come up using um, that is a, a, a skill that's in demand um, and i think through that then you know you get a better sense of the the right jobs to apply for um, and it also helps you answer those questions around well you know we're re- really looking for someone who's got um, really good problem solving skills um, but you might feel they're not quite there yet but you can at least because you've thought about it say well this is where i'm at the moment um this is where i think some of my gaps are and and this is what i'm doing to try and 
you know, Im improve those skills. And most employers will appreciate that. They know not everyone's a complete finished product. They're, everyone's learning. We, we, you know, we, we never stop learning throughout our whole careers. So, um, you know, as long as you've, you've got that awareness and you've got a plan for, you know, bridging those, those deficits, then, um, you know, you're going a long way towards meeting the needs of the employer. I've got a few um, questions here, and I'm not sure um, whether we can answer them, but let's let's have a look. So, we'll give them a try. We'll give them a go. <laughs> we might be able to direct you in a way to answer those questions rather than answering them, because the first one here is from Paris. It's what what's the penetration or adoption of new de new dimension technologies, AI, RPA, etc., at present in Australian businesses. That's a big question. I have no idea. It is a big question. Um, yeah. And look, it, it's certainly a, a, an area that's growing um, fairly rapidly, but it, it, you know, but also coming from a, a very small um, base. So um, I, I've just been looking just before we came online at LinkedIn. I've got their economic graph, so you can actually go in and, and look at the the top trending jobs and the employers and, and the skills that are being needed. Um, and, you know, just kind of quickly going through for Australia in April, you know, the top trending skills were, were teaching, account management, curriculum development, business analysis, JavaScript, um, sales management, operations management, MYOB, stakeholder management, project delivery, um, and, and so on. Um, even Cognitive behavioural therapies comes in at number twenty. Um, that that just tells you more about the volume because you know if there's more more jobs in 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 a particular area that's going to in, influence that. And I think some of the you know the bigger um, companies were were you know top trending employers like Commonwealth Bank and the tax office and um, Amazon Web Services. So. Um, yeah, th those things um, give us a bit of a clue of what's happening out there. But if it's a small industry, you know, those jobs are not going to appear on there. So I, I think, you know, my, my advice generally is if you're thinking about an area and, what, you know, wondering whether um, there are jobs there, um, it, it's really to kind of start looking at, at what job opportunities are coming out, what companies are, are using that. Um, it, you know, it's, you know, in particular for AI and, and, and those kind of related um, technologies, there's not 20,000 people that have those skills. Yes. So if there's only 100 jobs and there's only 200 people um, with those skills, then you've got a much better chance of getting a job in that field than if there were 20,000 people um, and only a thousand, you know, jobs available. So, you, you, you know, it, it's it's all dependent on the, on the supply and demand, I guess. So, you know, if it's something that you're really passionate about um, and you've got that skills or you're developing those skills, then, you know, focus on that and develop your networks and understand who's using that technology and who the employees might be. Um, and you'll get to do what you want to do. Um, I think that's that's the main main thing. I would never advise someone just to say, 
I'm not going to choose this particular career because um, it's not in the top 10 of, of growth jobs in, in Australia at the moment. Um, yeah, you've got to look at the longer term. It's interesting because those sorts of things are where, I guess, you know, introducing efficiencies in business and you might also not rely on job ads but start to look at the, uh, you know, technical forums or business section, uh, you know, just some, do some general Googling with those terms and, yeah. and businesses that you suspect might be using them and see, you know, what projects are coming up in different organisations and reverse engineer it and go back and look at, you know, those organisations on LinkedIn and who's in those and there's a networking mm. opportunity to ask around um, those sorts of those sorts of skills. Or, or set up your own business and, and um, you know, provide that, that service to companies that are starting to, to think about it and, and aren't there yet. So, um, you know, it, 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 the answer's not always apply for a job. It might, mm. it might be if you've got, you know, a, you know, a sufficient level of skills and experience to be confident in, in being able to go in and offer that as a service to employers that, um, you know, that, that may be something that you could look at as well. It's interesting with that, just to sort of build on that, you know, I know a lot of people, I've worked with clients in cybersecurity and cybersecurity is really, you know, in demand. But most of those guys are in the first initial stages are self-taught within the organisation. They've seen that as an emerging technology. They've gone out and got yeah. themselves qualified. They've put their hands up for projects. And those sort of more advanced technical skills are in that kind of realm. It's, it's where you can see that the market is heading. So um, I know I haven't directly answered your question, Paris. It's an excellent question, but um, hopefully we've given you something that you can that you can actually work with. Um, and and I think that um, just to take on from what what you're saying there, I think you know there are there will be in, into the future new jobs that are created. Um, we don't know what they are, but that's how they develop. They just don't appear overnight. Here's this new job and here's a, a university degree that we've pre-designed to teach you the skills to do, do this job. They emerge, they kind of come out of people's interests or they see, you know, we've got a particular need and we start working on, on how we develop a solution around that and, and then it comes about and, you know, cybersecurity is a great example that's, you know, that's emerged out of, um, generally out of IT that, you know, once we got to a point where um, computers systems were, were inter interlinked and networked and um, and people could break into them that we needed to you know introduce some security measures so that came about you know the 90s um, as as the internet developed um, uh, you know um, HTML programming came about and you know so again that was something that people developed those are old enough like um, perhaps us on screen, we were, you know, those early web pages were pretty basic. Um, and so that, it's something that's evolved over time and people have developed skills and developed the knowledge to really, you know, push that technology. So, um, yeah, that's how, how jobs keep keep growing. They change, every job changes. Like, you know, even, you know, even if the occupation that you're doing is relatively stable, the technology tools that you use change, the, clients you're working with change, the um, the way you go about doing things changes over time. So um, they're all incremental and you can keep up with that and adapt to it. I think Jason, you know, continue on this this idea of the AI and robotics and everything. I think, you know, there, there's 
you know, probably a lot of research and not so much a lot of research, but, you know, probably more of the the reports done on that about the mm. percentage of job risks are, you know, I think there was a report, there was, there was a tool in UK where you can actually put your job title and it will actually tell you how much yeah. risky it is for your job to be taken over by AI or robotics and everything else. Yeah. In this in these times, you know, I think people will still generally be feeling that that anxiety around their careers. You know, mm. you know, I'm my son he said I want to be a zookeeper and I said that's a safe option because there'll there'll still be animals out there, right? So I yeah. think that's a very safe option. But but for people who are generally feeling anxiety around the career choices that they want to make, and especially in COVID nineteen times, as we all know, mm. people are Reevaluating careers and which direction do they want to go and everything else, you know, is there a can we really future proof our career? Can we really say that if I've done this, then that's pretty much it? And if we want to be more optimum around it, what? How do we think about our career in these volatile yeah. circumstances? Absolutely. And look, I think um, you know, in terms of that, you know, that UK report. Um, a lot of that was really quite overblown and, and there was some major flaws in that that research. What what we take from that is that, you know, jobs are changing and, and there's an influence of technology on those. Um, to, it's very unlikely that a computer or an algorithm will replace an, a single person's job. Um, you know, every single job involves a range of different skills and different tasks um, and and they're quite dynamic computers are usually good at just doing one one thing so um, parts of jobs will certainly you know be taken over by that and when you look at a, a bank like say or an organization sorry like National Australia Bank then yes technology introduced may result in you know hundreds of people losing their job from there um, but people are able to still move on to other things or, or, or the, those that do stay in the organisation might have their jobs changed and, and, and do things in slightly different ways. So what what we, we need to be able to do is to adapt, I guess. Um, and, you know, there's, a, I guess, a few things. I'm, so I'm just, I prepared a few notes before, so I just want to go back and refresh my mind on what what I had on, on there. So. I think um, number one is, is really about um, being proactive. So really keeping an eye out on what's happening. Look, what are those trends so that if you see things developing in a particular way, um, you can start preparing for that. Um, now, we don't always get that opportunity. COVID's not one that, unless you're an epidemiologist, anyone would really have been prepared for this. Um, but um, in most cases, you know, change is a little bit slower than, than what we've kind of been experiencing this this year. So you can normally kind of see, uh, I can see that there's a, a bit of growth in this particular area and I'm really interested in that. So I'll, I'll start putting my hand up at work to, um, you know, get involved in, in that area or, or you know, recognise the skills that are needed and, and start developing some of those. Um, another aspect is really around you know, keeping a growth mindset. So always looking for new ways to, to learn, to improve what you're doing. Um, be open to change. So, you know, if you're just saying that I'm, I'm a, um, 
you know, a, a customer service person and that's all I do, um, that's really limiting um, what you can do. And if something happens where there's suddenly no customer service jobs, then it's going to be really challenging for you to, to get through that situation because you've basically then got to go back to the start and think about, well, who am I? What else can I do? And, and really shift your, your identity. If you're open to change, then you can be much more responsive. And, and if you know your job disappears, then you're probably going to be more willing to say, okay, I'll, I'll jump into something else that, that's available. Um, I'm not overly concerned what that is. Um, it, it'll kind of meet my needs at the moment. So yeah, certainly be, be open to, to change. In terms of resilience, learn from your mistakes, keep trying, don't be scared of failing. I think, you know, being scared of failing is probably the, the biggest thing that holds people back. So, um, you know, just try what you can. Um, if something's a little bit of a stretch, don't wait for someone to ask you to do it. Still, you know, put your hand up and, and, and give it a go. Um, and having a network is really important. So, you know, there's a number of different things or benefits that networks have um, you know the most obvious one is around you know potentially being able to identify job opportunities but it's also about learning from people having that social support um, you know within an organization if you get to know lots of different people in it then you get it's easier to get your job done because you know someone in finance who can you know fast track a payment for you that'll help you get the next stage of your project done or you can you know you, you can find a mentor who can help you you know work through some of the, the problems that you're facing in your job so those those elements are, are really important at any time and, and particularly more so at the moment in in being able to really um, adapt to to what's going on in, at, at the moment um, just going to have a quick look through some questions from people. Um, okay, a question from Balan. Um, I am a CA slash CPA developing a skill for data analysis. What do you think? I think that speaks to a growth mindset and acquiring new skills. It's hard to actually give you an answer about whether that's a good thing to do or a bad thing to do, not knowing what you're actually um, applying there. But what are your thoughts? Um, look, I, I agree. I don't, you know, necessarily want to make comments on what people should or or shouldn't do in terms of those those choices. But I, you know, I'm happy to give opinions on what you should do in terms of getting a, a job because that's a little bit more defined. Um, but certainly, um, data analysis is a, a, a huge growth area. Um, every organisation has accumulated a huge amount of data. If you think about all those emails that you get from shops that you've bought anything from, they managed to get your email address off you pretty easily. And, um, you know, so, you know, everything from a, you know, corner store milk bar through to a, a big multinational retail um, chain has got a lot of data on their customers and and seeing what's there. So it, it's definitely a, a skilling demand. Um, it's definitely very well aligned with the skills of a, of a CPA. Um, so, I, you know, I think that's that's certainly an area. And, and in particular, you know, if we go back to that kind of Frayne Osborne UK study around automation, like um, accounting was one of the ones that they predicted was had a really high chance of, of being automated. 
Um, personally, I don't think that's correct. I think um, there's lower level skills in, in that area that um, that are being automated. And you can see that with, you know, just um, programs that, that handle invoicing. And, you know, I've got an app on my phone for work that if I, you know, have to spend some money, um, I just scan the receipt and it, you know, I get reimbursed and it gets, you know, put in the right cost center and things like that. So, you know, that used to be a manual job for probably several people. Um, in the past now, it's just, it's done automatically by technology. But, um, you know, the, the real growth area for accountants is much more at that higher end in, you know, business advice, understanding what's going on in organizations, where there's opportunities to, to save money or to invest money or to, um, you know, governments keep liking changing the, the rules and making, you know, tax law very complex. So, you know, there's a lot of, you know, areas um, that really need a higher level skill in that particular um, occupation. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, if we just kind of go back more generally, you know, if you're recognising an area uh, um, that you're interested in and that you can see opportunities, then then definitely go for it and develop those skills and, and seek those out. Excellent. Nesh, you look like you're uh, about to launch I'm just, something. I'm just looking, I'm conscious of the time. I'm conscious of the time yeah. and also questions. So we've got, let's look at the question that we just got uh, from uh, Preeti. How career gap because <laughs> How career gap because of this uncertain times will be a challenge. I think a lot of people will see their, you know, employment gap due to COVID-19. Uh, you know, and how do you how do you see that's going to play out for people? At the same time, I think a lot of people will have those gaps. So I think your competitors will also end up having the gaps. Yeah. How do you see this playing out? Um, look, it's not something I would be worried about having a, a career gap at this point in time because as you say that it's affecting a, a, a lot of people uh, and and I think you know in, in employers um, are, are not going to um, you know have a negative view of somebody because their, their jobs disappeared in this time there's been a lot of people a lot of business owners is really struggling at this time so um, it, it's not you know something you've done wrong we've all we're all being affected in this in very different ways at the moment um so you know that that gap's not in itself a, a negative um what i think what i would recommend is to think about well how are you going to use this this time um and to set yourself up to move into a, a, a new job or, or you know um, whatever it is that you want to be doing as we come out of, of, of this, whenever that, that will be. So, um, you know, I, I guess just in, in terms of thinking about that, it's it's a great time to reevaluate where you're going in your career. Are you on doing the thing that's, that's you know, um, giving you enjoyment? Are you um, um, really feel like you've got the right skills and knowledge to, to you know, go forward? We're, you know, we're all thinking about working in different ways. I think, you know, we're going to be working from home a lot more even once the offices are open and, and things like that. So um, do that, you know, there's there's a lot of um, 
opportunities to to do some further training at this point in time. So, pretty much every university is now offering some really short, um, you know, graduate certificate courses at the moment that the government's heavily subsidised. Um, so there's there's an opportunity there to, to go in and and update your um, your qualifications. Um, you know, I know it's really hard to network at the moment because you know particularly if you're in places like Melbourne at the moment where we're back in lockdown you can't go out and have coffee with people but you can get onto LinkedIn and and connecting with people that um, uh, that perhaps you haven't seen him for a while and make sure you you know people in your network are, are doing okay um, you know checking on how they're going um, and do those, those kind of things so really you know, take this time to reflect and, and to start planning and, and to put into action some, some things that will set you up that when the jobs start coming back that you're, you're in a position to, to get, um, get back into one. Great advice. I, it's an interesting thing around networking. A lot of my clients and I guess a lot of what Nation I've been doing been found people more willing to catch up during this time, particularly I assume, yeah. makes it much easier. Um, to actually meet with people. But from that point, I mean, there's so so much rich information that your network can give, particularly, you know, on LinkedIn, even looking at what people are doing and where they've come from and how they've changed careers and what skills they've got. That That is a great way to, you know, to, to just be active and be seen is a great way to position yourself for whatever opportunities um, come up. Um, one of my clients, was from Colombia and um, she put herself at the centre of the change management community on LinkedIn, um, you know, contributed to blogs, got online um, with forums, met a whole bunch of people and, and she found a job. So she had a, I think effectively probably in total a four or five month gap between getting, um, you know, leaving Colombia and actually getting her job. But um, she found that she was referred, I think, four jobs in one week. Um, from that process of just going, yeah. I, I don't know where it's going to end. I don't know where it's going to end. I don't know how this is going to play out, but I'm just going to invest in the process and have faith that, you know, there's a few commonalities around, you know, being visible, being credible, um, you know, uh, being a contributor that people will um, respect as well. And I, I think if you don't know anything else, it's a good thing to know, to know right now um, where everybody's very uncertain. Absolutely. And I think, you know, whatever we do, there's no guarantee it will give you the outcome you want. But if you don't do it, 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 it definitely won't. <laughs> there is a guaranteed outcome of nothing happening. So, um, yeah, I think it's, you know, the, the more things you're involved in, um, you know, the, it just open, opens up opportunities and it may not be obvious straight away. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, certainly what you've said there and that, that example of your client is, is, you know, really, really good. And, um, you know, you also don't want to go to the extreme where you're just burning yourself out trying to do absolutely everything. You, you need mm. to be strategic and, and focus on things that you're capable of doing. And, and we're all responding at this time in, in different ways. I think, you know, I'm, I'm certainly, um, you know, a lot more tired than what I would be, even though I'm not, um, you know, commuting to work and things like that um, and it's you know it's because it, it's you know it's a really uncertain time and and we're not engaged in those things that that rejuvenate us and you know catching up with friends and and things like that so it's um, yeah you've just got to be really mindful of 
your energy levels and what things you can do that will you know keep you in a good mood or to um, keep you energized or whatever it will be and um, and sometimes you just get to a point where it's like I'm just going to sit on the couch today and turn Netflix on that's all I'm capable of doing and that's okay mm. So we've got one more question and then we will wrap up uh, the question Mahinur. Uh, welcome Mahinur. Uh, the question is if we have to upscale, where can we find information on supply and demand ratio? Now that's a very interesting one. I always refer people to go to I think job outlook is the is the government's website to go and find out the, the government puts in a, a report every year australia jobs 2019 2000 but don't worry about 2020 report because i yeah. don't know how relevant that is but what are your options uh, jason um well I, I mentioned the the um the linkedin um economic graph which is it's admittedly something i need discovered um, this week, so um, I'm not sure if it's new or, or whether I just hadn't come across it before. Um, so that, you know, that's kind of useful in seeing what's out there. But again, you've got to really um, take it with a little bit of a grain of salt because, as I said, it's, um, you know, if there's a, an area where there's a lot of jobs, then, you know, that's going to come up to the, the top of the list. It doesn't mean that the area that you're in um, doesn't have opportunities. So, um, you know, the, the, in, in a way, the best place to find out what's going on is to go on to Seek or Indeed and and just have a look at what jobs are being advertised because that's that's the current demand. Um, yeah, you, and you've got to balance off the, the long and the short term. So, you know, what's happening right now is useful information if you're currently in a situation where you're looking for a job. Um, but looking into the future, um, it's it's a little bit harder there. I think it's also about um, as long as there are jobs in, in an area, um, then if that's what you're going to be happiest doing and you've got the skills and the knowledge or you're developing those, then um, why would you you know, not go into something if there's a, a website that says there, there aren't many jobs there. Um, so, you know, you've just got to balance off all of those those different things. Um, just because there's, you know, a, one kind of job with lots of opportunities doesn't mean you'll get into that job either. So think about it, what, what it is that you want to do. And that's, you know, employers will pick that out. If you're just applying for something because someone told you there's some great opportunities um you know you're not going to come across as passionate you're probably not going to come across as having a lot of, lot of understanding about what that actually is and your chances of getting a job then aren't quite as high as if you're going for something that you're really interested in and you know a lot about it and you've done your research and you're really keen to get there so um yeah look that no no easy answer um but i think you know, go with what you feels right, talk to people, get advice, do your research um, and apply for jobs in those areas if that's the right thing for you to do at the moment. And you'll figure out whether you're going down the right path or not, you know, reasonably quickly. Great advice. 
I agree. I think just, uh, you know, uh, from what Jason said, I think networking, and we keep on saying about it, but also, you know, validating your idea. Let's say that if you want to move from supply chain management to, I don't know, to warehouse and logistics, you know, go and talk to people who work in that sector. Yeah. Reach out to them, understand their career progression, their career graph, because I think that's the advice me and KB has been giving is, you know, if you want to work in a particular sector or particular role that if you identify, go on LinkedIn and look at how people have found jobs through, you know, which directions, because that will do two things. One is it will also validate your idea. But secondly, is it will also you know help you to understand there are different ways people enter into career. It's not one singular way that you know the way people are you know enter into career. So I think that's what matters. And picking up phone call, talking to people, and and talk to people with more about this is what I want to do. What are your views? Rather than this is what I've decided. You know, tell me what you know what I should be doing. I think. Have a bit of an open mind when you talk to people rather than, you know, thinking that, you know, look, I've already made up my mind. I'm just saying it because Naisha asked me to do, you know, on a LinkedIn live. So don't don't say it. Don't do it just because of it. Do it because, because it's career at stake. So that's what I would uh, recommend. Anything else you want to add to this, KB? No, no. Naisha, voice is going to be um, soft. I don't know if you're sort of leaning back from the microphone or not, but... Uh, no, I think that's exactly the right advice. It, it, your network has that level of insight that you, you may not have. So, um, yeah, I, I, I couldn't add any, anything more to that. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I think, you know, just summarising that a little bit more as well is what network, what talking to people does, and that's, you know, essentially what networking is or part of it. You're finding out information. You're letting people know what you're looking for. Um, and and you you know you you're nourishing that that network by connecting with people. So those things lead to opportunities. So um, and helps you make make decisions. Mm, absolutely. Um, All right, then to the end. I was just going to add one more little thing in there, if I could. Just um, one of the some of the stuff that I, I do with my clients is help them reach out to people that they don't know on LinkedIn. And one thing that we put in an email, which is, um, it depends on the level that you're at. So I wouldn't suggest sort of C-suite doing this, but you know, it's a, it's a line which is, there's lots of advice that I could get from Googling, but that always seems very general. So, you know, some insights coming from somebody like you, and a lot of people respond to that because that's exactly the reason that you're actually, you know, doing the face-to-face -face research slash networking versus actually you know, jumping online and, and getting very general advice. So if you're wanting to connect with people that you don't know, that's a, a, a nice little thing to put in the email as well that generally gets a response from people. Absolutely. All right, Jason, look, uh, thank you very much for being available and being so generous with sharing mm. some of the insights, because as we rightly said in the beginning, uh, you know, it's it's important that we see the employability and career from various angles, just not one angle. Mm. So that's what been fascinating, you know, picking up your ideas. And we wish you all the best to become a Dr. Jason Brown. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> we can have you on as the career doctor, Jason. <laughs> That's right. Bring me back next year. Hopefully, hopefully I'll be there by then. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Jason. And KB, before we wrap it up, do you want to add anything? 
Uh, yes, so uh, you need to, not you need to, but please uh, follow the hashtag career care package um, to keep updated with what we're talking on. You'll be able to see past episodes. Nash and I are busily organising uh, our YouTube channel, so we'll announce that uh, when it's coming up. And just to let you know that we've got a special week coming up, uh, not next week, but the week after, which is the week leading up to our, our 100th show. And we've got a special announcement by about that coming up, so stay tuned. So, yep, that's it from me. Looking forward to seeing everyone tomorrow. Excellent, everyone. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow we have Jodi Knight-Tuckwell. She's the CEO of Ready Set. It's a social enterprise that helps people with their clothing presentation and also primarily a lot of confidence. So be ready to get an injection of confidence from Jodi tomorrow, 3 p.m. And if you are if you are in Melbourne and Victorian, please stay home or wear mask. And we'll see you tomorrow. See you later, everyone. Bye, everyone. <laughs>